This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Cheers. So, what are we talking about? Cheers. Um, I was just joking about the mug thing, about how we have weird obsessions with mugs. All right. Shout out. Um, yes. Find us later online in social media. I'll post about this when the episode drops about, do you have a weird thing about mugs? The hold, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. texture, the weight, the weight and the shape. And this is even too round for me. This is too, mm-hmm. too much for me, but I, I like going to say, this is it. kind of my favorite is a tall slender. Right. That's my, if I had to choose, that's my very favorite. There are other shapes that I like, but tall slender <laughs> is like, mm, chef's I didn't kiss. know that about you. And also I'm laughing because these people who are listening to this on the podcast are like, what is this slender? Yeah. Okay. You get it. Slender cups, wide cups. You get it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so we are talking today about self-doubt and self-trust. Yeah, because I think we were talking about that a little last time is establishing a sense of self-trust and in figuring out how to even begin that work, the very first thing that you're going to get hit with is all the doubts that Mm. exist inside of you. And so trying to like weed your way through that thicket is a job. Right. Okay. Cause if you think about how a self-advocacy ties into this, right. So we're talking about when we're trying to establish the beginning stages of self-growth and the beginning stages of really coming to be who you really are. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to be who you really are or authentic, your authentic self, right. You do have to establish whose voice is yours and whose voice is other people's in yeah. your mind. Right. So you think about like, I mean, we think of the big concepts, right? The big concepts of like, you know, religious ideologies or maybe, you know, your view on politics or, you know, really Mm -hmm. big concepts that maybe differentiate you between other people. Mm -hmm. And when we're teenagers, you know, we might be really outspoken and, you know, whatever, but it's interesting what happens when we get that switch from like teenagers to early adulthood, we realize, oh, in order to be part of a system, we might have to align with a group mentality a little bit more than I, than we thought. Right. So yeah, like, think about it. Like you go to a new workplace and your workplace is like super, I don't know, like, let's say they, let's say they pray, right. I actually worked at a place Mm. like this. I'm not even kidding. I worked at a place, (laughs) I worked at a place that constantly was streaming Christian, Christian music, you know, whatever Christian music is Christian music, Mm -hmm. but like it was very religious. Like, and these are this, you know, it wasn't like specifically like you can only go to this office if you are religious, but they were like streaming like Christian music and then 
I'm pretty sure they had us like pray during like office meetings. And at no point did they ask me what religion I I was. They just literally just said, we're just going to pray at the work meetings. And this is what I'm saying is it's that that there's a small example there. But what I mean by that is like your all of a sudden, like, Hey, I really want this job. I really want to learn these skills. And now where's the line between my own belief system and their belief system? And am I putting myself in jeopardy? If I say, Hey, um, I'd appreciate it if we don't pray at these work meetings. Right. And what, what is the fallout of being an individual in that system? Right. Exactly. Well, and I think that's why it's important to teach how to actually do self-advocacy and boundary work because something we were just talking about is in situations like that, there is a way to advocate for yourself um, in a way that hopefully doesn't put you in a position of, you know, taking away your job security. And that comes down to basically just controlling what your own choices are. So rather than saying, Hey, I would appreciate if we didn't pray during the work meetings, um, because your employer might be like, well, this is my business and we're going to do it the way I want to do it. You know, you, you do, you kind of set yourself up for a potential scary situation, say I will be opting out of the prayer part of the meeting, Mm, you know, like, and so, you know, but even getting yourself to that point is we're already, we've gone light years. We've skipped over the whole topic we're talking about on today's podcast. If you can do that, that, then you don't even need to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Just just stop listening. (laughs) Nobody listening here. No, but no, I, you were right. Like that's a step of so many things had to be there in order for you to get to that place. Yeah. So that does kind of let's circle back yeah, around circle to back. where we were, which is how do you start to recognize and establish your own voice inside of yourself that isn't, you know, all just an amalgamation of every other voice that you have been ingrained, has been ingrained into your brain up right. to that point. And I think there's like several stages of human development where this happens where we start to establish like layers of identity Mm. and that's just normal, right? That's a normal part of human development. I'm not sitting here saying like, if any part of your inner voice has ever been influenced by someone else, then there's something wrong with you. Like, no, that's not how it works. Like we are communal beings and we are going to be influenced by people around us. So I'm not saying that nothing in your brain can ever be influenced by an outside source, but there is a difference between sort of just like putting on like an overcoat of, of an entire ideology that isn't your own versus like shopping at the, at the store and looking at all the different coats and trying a few on and assessing them and deciding which one do I like, which coat feels really good on me and feels like authentically my coat that I just like right. love to wear, right. you know? Right. It's like, if I handed you a coat and I said, here, try this on. I think it, I think it looks, I think it might look nice on you. Right. And you grab the coat. You don't have to keep the coat on. If at any point you don't 
really like the code anymore, right? Like I might've handed mm-hmm. it to you, but because you kept it on, it's not because of me, right? It's not mm-hmm. me, the precipitant and that like, you know, kept the code on for you. It's like, you chose that, right? You kept the code on because you wanted the code on. And then the second you didn't want the code on, you took it off. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I like that. I like that concept of like the, who, <laughs> who's operating the thought or, um, who's behind the, you know, I guess the passion or whatever you are holding near and dear to, right. It's, it's easier to talk about these things with like examples. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I talked, um, not talked the, one of the things that came to me when you just said that was safety around exploration, right? Like if it wasn't safe for you to try on a new coat, you just keep the coat on. Right. If for some reason the coat literally had something attached to it that would hurt you to take it off, or if you took it off, someone literally like hit you on the head, you'd Mm -hmm. be like, "Mm, keeping this coat on. Right. So I tell Mm -hmm. people it's like when we look at the concept of trying out, even, I mean, we could literally go with belief systems. It might be easier to do religion if you want to, but you know, politics, different ideologies, you, we keep talking about these big, big ideas, but really these are, these are very minute details in families, right? Hey, we like football. Mm. Okay. You know, Hey, we're a music centric family. You know, you can't like math, you know, it's like, what, you know, it's, that's what I mean. It's those little nitty gritty things that actually show up for us in our everyday life. And then we have those big ideologies, which are like the politics of the world, the, you know, the, the religious belief systems, like whether or not you're attuning to your family or not attuning to your family. So, Mm. I mean, we have the big stuff and then we have the little stuff, but it's the safety that I think is really important for us to talk about for a second, which is like, if you're trying to develop self-trust and you're saying, I would like to explore, I would like Mm -hmm. to trust that urge to kind of venture out into a new coat, right? Yeah. There's a part of you that's actually speaking to you about that. Hey, I might not want to be a part of this like systematic thought, mm-hmm. but if it's not safe to do that, you know, you're kind yeah. of out of luck. Yeah, you're, absolutely. You're luck. Well, and I think, and that's how people do get stuck mm. wearing coats that they don't like for an extremely long time because of that sense of safety. Mm. And that, you know, and it, a lot of it does come from family systems or church community systems that establish from the get-go. And then like in all these subtle insidious ways throughout like your entire time Mm. in that system of what they think about people who don't wear that coat. Right. What are and, they telling us yes. about the otherness? Yeah. And so if That's you ever huge. make an observation about somebody else's red leather coat and they go, oh, don't you know about people who wear red leather coats? Red like leather, no, coat. red leather, yellow leather. Uh, <laughs> We're um, yellow leather people. <laughs> we wear blue wool, not red leather. Um, and I wish I was joking, but I'm not because like that actually is 
how it goes a lot of the times in these family and church systems and in really like high control employer systems where there is a strong sense of identity that you are not allowed to deviate from. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we lose sight of just how essential social safety is for human beings, because we're not just talking about like physical safety, right? Like it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, your parents are going to like literally physically abuse you if you listen to music they don't like, but the, the othering and the pushing out of you as other and all the belittling and like a lot of the emotional like abuse that can happen in situations like this is extremely impactful. And so like if any, if, you, if you're listening to this and you've experienced this, I'm sure you're not like nodding along right now because it, uh, if you can't even feel safe to with your own thoughts, mm. if your thoughts feel like a threat to your safety, right. that is so, it's so unpeaceful. It's mm. so difficult to, to live in that. And so, because it's so painful to feel that sensation of, I can't even think like that, or I feel, start to feel unsafe, then you're going to just repress, repress, repress so right. that you can avoid that feeling. Cause that feeling is scary. Uh, I think you're, I think you're definitely onto something because if you think about, it actually reminds me of a couple episodes back when we were talking about the consent or re-traumatization when we try to practice that stuff is that Mm -hmm. when our thoughts feel like a threat, engaging with those thoughts feel like we're getting re-traumatized. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is it's, we're not wanting, you know, our folks to be traumatized, but it's more or less like you almost have to look at what what the nature of your thoughts are, right? Are there, is there a nature of your thoughts that are like, Hey, that's going to make you an other. So we don't get to think about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, Hey, you know, let's say sexuality, I know we keep talking about the religious stuff, but like sexuality, like, Hey, I might be bi, or I might be gay, or I might be lesbian. And like you sit there and let's say, you know, cause this is happening at all different ages. This is what the beautiful thing about like some of the social media stuff is like, I'm seeing people like claim parts of their sexuality that they've literally ignored for decades. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, what's beautiful, but very painful is exploring that and realizing that's going to make me other. Right. So if mm-hmm. you're sitting there in your mind and you are just like, chilling with your thoughts. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, maybe this feeling is actually like an attraction to an opposite gender that I've never allowed myself to explore. Yeah. What does that feel like? Probably terrifying because Mm -hmm. if you are anchored in a system, this is a perfect example, actually, because think about like family system, right? If I'm anchored in a system with children and a spouse, whether that's a man or a wife or whoever it is on each gender, like you're sitting there. What am I supposed to do with that information? Right. Or it just feels scary because you're just like, wait, do I claim my identity and then maybe just kind of chill and say, I'm okay. Or do I actually go further and try to explore this and like do it in a very healthy way and like communicate that? I mean, Mm -hmm. that is really, really, really painful, but you have to sit with the idea long enough And that can feel like a threat. It can feel like a threat to your own safety of the environment that you created, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we mean by like, 
uh, not that, not that you have to put yourself on a timeline, but it's almost like if there's any parts of you, especially when you're doing transitions in life, you know, transitions from like teenagers to twenties and mid, you know, early twenties and mid twenties, like some of these things happen on like natural waves where you're feeling like a transition and you may have those inklings like, Hey, you know, maybe I don't agree with my best friends on that ideology, or maybe I'm not really aligned with what my parents teach about this. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what you were saying, if you keep kind of pushing it back, what ends up happening is you start constructing a life that may not be completely aligned with what you really are deep Mm -hmm. within you. Right. And that's, really rough when you come to terms with it. Because if you come to terms with that and realize, oh, hey, I'm finally ready to be authentic. What has to happen is a crap set, like a a lot of pain and a lot of deconstruction or a lot of deconstruction. Yeah. And anytime you're deconstructing major, major parts of your identity, you have to look at it as a grief process Mm. because it is, you're, you're going to be grieving a lot. You're not just losing whatever sense of safety or community you had in that like group that you're deconstructing from whatever that is, you are, it's a death of your own self and you have to grieve this version of yourself as he or she, or they, (laughs) Yeah. Begins to die off and a new person inside of you begins to be born. Uh, An analogy that I use sometimes to describe this concept is a backpack and your entire life, you, you've got this backpack on. And as you go through life, you accumulate various different doodads that go into your backpack, you know, little, little tools and trinkets and things like that, that you just start collecting. And they become part of your backpack of life. And uh, over time, you just become very accustomed to what's in your backpack. And anytime you need something, you just go to your backpack and what happens to be inside of it. And you begin to adapt to the tools that you have. So if you need... Uh, if it's time to eat and what would be most useful for this meal is a fork, but your backpack has never had a fork and you don't have one, you're just going to use what you do have. So, okay, I've got a spoon. I mean, I'll just make do with a spoon and that just becomes your normal. And you don't even think to question it at a certain point, but if you can allow that, If you can allow yourself to ask some questions and maybe start observing the types of tools that other people have in their backpacks, then what you can do is you can have a process and it doesn't have to be, it's always going to be grief. There's always going to be some things that are painful to let go of, but it can be cathartic and healing and, and a process, right? It doesn't have to all happen overnight. You don't have to completely hyper-focus on it, but you can take your time kind of like sifting through your backpack and and just Mm. taking items out one at a time and sort of saying, huh, is this useful to me? And do I need it? Or do I have a better tool 
that can also do this job. And so maybe I can let go of this one because if you are trying to grow and continue to accumulate new parts of yourself and uh, and make space for new parts of yourself, you're going to get to a point where like your backpack is like chock full and there's no room in there. And so you can either stay just holding on to all the stuff you've accumulated up to a certain point because you're you're too scared to let go of any of it. And then there's never room for new stuff to come in. Or you can say, I don't think I need every single thing that's in this backpack anymore. I think I'd like to reorganize it and kind of downsize a little bit and maybe, you know, get creative about, you know, like I said, is there a multi-tool in here that could replace these seven other things that's just taking up space? Um, or is there a multi-tool over there? Actually, I'd rather use that one. I think mm. I'm going to get rid of these seven things and just put in this one multi-tool. But you have to make space. You right. got to get some of this old junk out in order to make room for the new stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I think what you're speaking to though, is like when we're looking at identity formation and evolution, right? What it means to evolve as a, as, as a person, it's, it's really kind of going back to what we were talking about with the self-trust versus self-doubt is that if you are doubting anytime you remove a tool, a tool, right. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. but I, I have to let go of the spoon in order to get the multi-tool. Right. But you doubt mm-hmm. yourself and you're like, nope. I can't risk, I can't risk it. It's too, it's too much. Like everybody I know uses a spoon. Like I can't Mm -hmm. risk being the only one holding the multi-tool because they'll look at me like I have three heads, you know, that moment is self-ownership. Okay. I'm going to say that again. That moment is self-ownership is that when you know you're holding the spoon and you're saying, I would like to be someone who has a multi-tool. I come from a family where anyone you know in my family is a spoon holder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you sit there and you go, when I hold that multi-tool, I will be an other. And I will hear a lot about why I should be just using a spoon. Yeah. And I need to be brave enough to own that part of me. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we mean by like self-doubt versus self-trust. It's like you have to trust your own voice and that doubt is possibly right. It can be kind of internalized. This is where it's tough, right? Where it's tough where you think about it and you're like, okay, is it my doubt or is it somebody else's doubt? Thank you. I'm going to say something right here because this, this is what you're going to find is if and when you do establish that sense of self-ownership and you can just confidently say, no, I'm a multi-tool user and it doesn't bother you that other people use spoons. Like you're not trying to get other people to stop using spoons. You know, you can just go, that's fine. Like you can use a spoon. It doesn't bother me. Like I prefer to use a multi-tool. 
well, this is what's interesting is you, you're going to quickly find who out there is in a space of ownership yes, and who out there is just living by their default status quo that was put into their backpack because the people who are living by a standard of self-ownership also just don't care that you're using a multi-tool. They're this, they would be, they would have the same exact re- reaction. They go, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I don't use multi-tools. I use spoon. And it's no big deal because everybody is self-owning and everybody feels confident about the choice that they're making. The people who are going to push back on you are the ones who never took ownership over the choices that they're making in their life. And they are threatened that you have the audacity to step into that sovereignty and that place of self-ownership because they haven't allowed themselves to do that. And, right. and it and it bothers them. And you see this line is like, sometimes we call it like, oh, insecurity. And eh, like maybe, yeah, like there's like a level, there's like a layer of insecurity that comes there with that, is. where if you have just been like making a certain choice and you're not really sure why, or you're just doing it by default, you feel better if everyone else around you is doing that same thing because That's it right. kind of like soothes you and it eases you. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. Well, if everybody's doing this, then it must be the right thing. As soon as you see somebody else doing it differently, if you have not established like a strong sense of ownership over that choice, right. you're going to feel very unstable about why you made that choice. And you're going to them just having the audacity to live a life different than you is perceived as a threat to you. I saw this a lot in my early parenting years, because of course the, there's, there's all kinds of petty fights that go on in the, in the parenting sphere, especially the mommy sphere is breastfeeding or bottle feeding and crib sleeping or co-sleeping and when to turn your kid around forward facing and like all these things. Right. And the people who are like, so mo, you know, like intense about these things, um, I, I, I noticed were the, the folks that were kind of just like doing a default. And if somebody did it differently than them, then like, oh, well, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Or is that a reflection of because you're doing it different? Are you trying to say that I'm wrong? That's right? exactly that's what it gets so- interpreted as. It always exactly. gets interpreted as you making a different choice is you implicitly telling me that my choice is wrong. And right. that's what happens when you live in a binary. It's either this or that, exactly black or white. And when you think about our podcast, I mean, we're going to probably say this in every single episode, but we are anti all or nothing. It is the gray. It is the, it is the both. And we are the both and podcast. I'm just kidding. That's this is the both um, and podcast. Is, we should the like, that's our subtitle. The both that's and. the unofficial <laughs> subtitle. <laughs> no, but it's really, it is important to not have an all or nothing thought process when we are thinking about making decisions that create otherness. It's, it's what kept coming up to me is my autonomy is not a threat to your own. You know, my growth is not a threat to your own growth. My successes are not a threat to your own success. Like all of these things, you know, we see our best friends start working out and then we're like, Oh God, I never work out. And it's like, okay, but my, my own physical wellness and movement is not a threat to your own health and wellness. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's almost perceived as, you know, oh, well, if they're going to do it, then I need to do it. And it's like, well, first of all, one of the things that comes with self-ownership and the, 
the balance between trusting yourself is that question. Okay. So let's say me and you, right. I start working out five days a week and you start being like, Oh, cool. Like Jamie's really going into it. She's trying to get into shape. Cool. And, and you might not have asked the question, do I want to be physically active every single day? You know, Mm -hmm. and now that she's doing it, it's coming across your mind, right? It might be Mm -hmm. coming across your mind, say that you're like, "Mm, maybe I should start, maybe I'll look into a gym. Right. But the question that I want people to ask themselves is not basing their decisions off of everybody else's, like everybody else's aspirations, right? You just need to ask yourself when something new comes into your brain, okay? Like your best friend starts working out and you ask yourself, well, I mean, maybe I should ask the question. If I make that decision, can I fully own that decision? Is that fully my own decision? Is that an autonomous decision? Because the thing is, is when you sit with questions of trying to trust yourself, you have to come to a very like, um, humble, I guess, humble or rude awakening that there might be a part of you. That's like, no, I don't like working out. I don't like working out. So forcing myself to go to a gym five days a week, just like my bestie is actually going to come from a place of deprecation. I might have to Mm. force myself and say, you're a piece of shit. Your best friend's doing it. So you need to do it. You're, you're worthless. So your best friend's going today. So you need to Mm. do it. And I go, but that's how we make decisions that are not aligned with ourselves that don't make it that, that create this dissonance. It makes Mm -hmm. a very, you know, misaligned energy in our life. Right. And that's what we talk about, like trusting your, like literally what decision you have or know, like the things you know about yourself. Okay. If you know that you do not like working out, if that thought has crossed your mind, maybe your brain is saying, Hey, I kind of like moving, but I don't like, you know, going on an elliptical for 40 minutes. Okay. So now ownership would look like, well, it seems like maybe we're considering being a little more active. Like what does activity look like in our own story? Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's, I want to go on a hike and just be outside. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that might be what you, what yours looks like. And that's okay. Right. So now we're trying to balance between like the voice of doubt might be coming from that otherness or other people's aspirations or other people's, you know, momentum. And you might be doubting like, oh, well, yeah, like, but if I don't work out, like I'm just kind of a piece of crap and I'm just gonna, you know, just be like really unhealthy and, you know, it's all going to be a bad, right. And it's like, okay, well, no, if you just listen to the type of experience you are looking for in regards to activity, just ask yourself, just be like, is it sitting on a Peloton bike? Is it going on an elliptical? Is it lifting weights? Or is it just something that's more aligned with who you are? If you really know that you reset in nature, maybe it is hiking. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's almost like if you learn to self-trust, there is no real wrong answer. And I know that right. kind of sounds scary, but it's like, no, but someone has to tell me what I am. No, mm-hmm. that's, 
<laughs> no, we don't, you know, like that's, that's really where all this problems come from. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think there's something to be said about like, try, like there's different types of what we might think of doubt. Like the, when you hear like a sense of internal doubt, there's a couple different sources of that, right? Because if it sounds like deprecation and, you know, putting yourself down, that isn't your voice. <laughs> um, it, it's just not because right. we love ourselves right. and like our authentic selves love ourselves and they would never say mean and hurtful things to ourselves. So if you hear a voice in you saying you're a piece of shit, you're lazy, you could never do that. You're not capable of that. You're not strong right. enough for that. You're not committed enough for that, blah, 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 whatever. Um, that voice was put there at some point mm. by someone or multiple people over time. That, that wasn't you. Well, then there's another type of self-doubt, which is more kind of what we were getting, getting to there, which is your own voice saying, are you, are we sure we want to do that? Does that feel right to us? Mm. And that's not self-doubt. That is actually a step of the self-ownership process where you are finally starting to get to know yourself and trust yourself enough that when you hear something that doesn't sound aligned and somebody suggests something to you or gives you advice or whatever that is, and you have a little voice that goes, Hmm, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound right to me. That isn't self-doubt. That's your voice advocating Mm. for yourself and letting you know what is authentic for you. And so I think it's make sure that you're being clear about that, right? Like in yourself, like when you hear anything that maybe sounds like a questioning or a doubting, it's not all bad. There is the stuff that's like hurtful and harmful. Like I said at the beginning, like that's, that's not your voice. But if there's something in there, that's just kind of like has a curious tone to it and an inquiring tone, Mm. that's probably your authentic voice trying to understand a little bit deeper what this thing is that we're about to put into our backpack before we, before we put it in. Yeah. I love that. I, I think if you, if you're, if we're really trying to reconceptualize, you know, self-doubt and self-trust, right. If we're looking at the critical mind versus the curious mind, right. The curious mind is going to be developing self-trust. So you you are going to have that variance of you know, questioning, which is healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's almost like, well, when we use the word self-doubt, maybe it's just a misnomer because, Mm. you know, maybe it's more or less. I kind of like that critical or curious, right? Maybe it's just a collection of specific voices that have kind of accumulated that we've called our own. I mean, I'm thinking about right now how many times I've had self-doubt or doubt within myself, right? Mm -hmm. And I've claimed it as my own voice. When in reality, if I look back, I'm like, you know, I, I absolutely knew that I was like capable, but when I would have doubtful, like that self-doubt, right? The quote unquote Mm -hmm. for my people who are listening, um, the quote unquote self-doubt was just taken in as my own. And it was paralleling a point of advocacy that was like, no, 
you can absolutely do that. You can absolutely do that. You are totally capable of that. And it's countering that other voice that also felt like mine at one point. I guess this Mm -hmm. is like maybe a testament to that own, you know, learning discernment, like your own discernment of where you are and where others are, right? Mm -hmm. Where you begin and others end, you know, their voices versus your voices. And it's, it is a moment of allowing that empowered voice or the advocacy voice to really be the one that echoes in our mind, right? Because we are going to have those. And this is where I try to be practical. And, you know, we're really about practicality. We don't want to be, you know, forcing people to be doing stuff that just makes, you know, nobody's forced, obviously, but we, we don't want people to feel as though they have to, you know, shoot the moon and get everything done right away. But if you're thinking about like, I don't know, I mean, yeah, like you really have to, you have to sit there and you have to almost sift. Mm -hmm. You have to sift through, through the thoughts. And that takes a lot of work. And I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I kind of want yeah. to this. I think this is where I always come into now I'm going to move into the same thing. I, another thing I like to harp on, which is that radical self-acceptance and right. being patient with yourself as you process through anything that you are processing through and giving that radical acceptance and compassion to yourself as you walk through this process, whatever it is, because there are going to be blunders and missteps and none of that is negative. It's all just information. And that's what we were talking about last time with the, uh, the self-betrayal and to not sit there and deprecate yourself. If you make a quote unquote mistake, like, was it a mistake or was it just a learning process? Did you just learn something else about yourself? And now you have more information moving forward about who you are. And I think that's what I really want to encourage is patience with yourself and being absolutely just so loving to yourself as you work through this. Because I mean, in in the areas of my life that I have been brave enough to open up that backpack and start sifting through and deciding what of this truly belongs to me and what I want to let go of, there are, there were a lot of times throughout those processes where I picked up a tool and went, I really don't want this anymore, but I am too scared to let go of it. So I'm putting it back in. I did a lot, a lot for a long time, but if it's an ongoing process, then eventually there's going to be a day where you take that out and you go, I haven't wanted this in my backpack for a really long time. And I'm actually ready to let go of it now. Mm. And, and, and you feel, and you, you'll feel, it will feel the moment will be correct. And you will Mm. know that it's okay that you held on to it for as long as you did. And you'll know why. And you can just look at yourself and love yourself and say, I know why we kept it in there for as long as we did. And it's okay that we did. Right. And it's okay to let it go. Right. You know, I love that. I love it. It really speaks to how this work is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly painful. It really does cause a lot of shakeup in our interpersonal relationships. It causes a lot of shakeup in our own relationship with ourselves because, you know, we're trying to reconstruct who we are. 
And at the same time, there is this moment of, I don't even, I don't, how would we describe it? There is this moment of like stability when you can just stand on your own two feet and say, you know, this is fully my life. Like this is fully my decision. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that things are perfect. That's why I try to explain to people about self-growth is that you are still going to have those traffic jams and you're still going to mm-hmm. have the frustrating conversations with friends and blow ups at family members. You're still going to have those things. And, and you are also coexisting with that chaos will be a stabilized mind on the other Mm -hmm. side. When someone comes at you and says, absolutely not. You're totally wrong. You're raising your kids wrong. You're doing this. You know, everything you're doing is so chaotic. And I totally disagree with you. Right. You can have Mm -hmm. that blowout fight. And I explain to people, you are not an emotionless being at that moment. You will have your feelings hurt. Right. If at any point, one of my family members said you're a piece of crap mom and that you're doing a bad job, it will hurt my feelings. And Mm -hmm. I have developed a very particular set of skills. No, I've developed a very particular set of skills that has given me the anchor to actually sit with that dissonance for a second. Mm -hmm. And if they look at me and say, why are you giving your child sugar after seven? I can sit there and I can be like, I fully own that decision. I want them to have a treat. I do not. I I absolutely do not care if you think that that's wrong. I get that like you have a specific thing about your family and when they get sugar and when they don't get sugar, that's totally fine. I literally want you to feel like that's a, you know, I want you to feel like that is an ownership thing for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And because you're attacking me and saying, oh my God, what kind of mom would like let their kids go, you know, wild and have all the sugar in their body right before bedtime. I would literally have to stand back. I would have to take that blow and I would have to understand, you know, of course I can advocate for myself, but when I'm driving home from that, you know, conflict, I can sit with that feeling and I can say, is that your, Jamie, do you fully own that? Like, do you fully not care Mm -hmm. whether or not that's perceived as wrong or not? And that moment is the moment of stability. And you are speaking to your authentic self. You are saying, no, I fully I feel confident in that decision. I get that people disagree with me. I feel confident that that is just how I want to run my, you know, run the show at bedtime every once in a while. And I am totally comfortable with that. That is what we're speaking to. It's that moment of when conflicts come up or when dissonance comes up, right? You are given, you are not, you are not given them, but you are (laughs) creating them. You are bolstering them. You are establishing these skills over the course of time that gives you the capacity to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. It's giving you the capacity to ride the wave. And that is self-trust. Yes. I love Boom. It. Defined. <laughs> well, Look that up. is what we have today, but <laughs> we will be seeing you soon. Make sure you are subscribing and we will see you next
Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work